welcome to the Sheer Lux Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined remotely by Heather Steele, Harriet Russell and Laura Black. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. What has everybody been watching, listening to, etc.? Heather, I'll come to you first. I haven't really been watching anything on TV. There's nothing over the last week or so that's been kind of piquing my interest. However, I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast before. Did I tell you about that film poster my mum bought Tobias for his birthday? No. So she bought him, you know, like those kind of scratch card things, like the sort of grey things you scratch off. She bought him this poster that's like 100 films to watch before you die. So his birthday was in February and we managed, I think we went to the cinema once to see Casablanca because it happened to be on one of those picture house vintage Sundays. But it's basically been amazing throughout lockdown because whenever we're like, oh, what are we going to do? Or especially when it was like deepest, darkest lockdown, we just crack open the film poster and watch something and scratch it off. So Love we've... That. So you don't know what you're going to reveal? You do, so, but you basically, I guess the incentive is that you've got all, like 100 grey squares and by the end of it, there's a nice picture behind each one. So the idea is you'll end up with a poster, which isn't that nice, to be honest. I'm not going to be displaying it anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, it's just something fun to do. And it means that you end up watching all sorts of stuff that you probably wouldn't have ever watched otherwise. So how do you know what you're getting before you so scratch So it's got out? the name and the director underneath each square. So, you know, for example, you're going to be watching jaws watch jaws and then you get a nice graphic of some teeth shark teeth underneath for example but we decided to start from scratch because actually between the two of us we'd already seen about 80 of the film so we're like we'll just start it again so uh Tobes has got things like Mean Girls and Dirty Dancing to look forward (laughs) to and I watched Scarface the other day for the first time which was an experience but quite gory Yeah, yeah. It was long as well. It was nearly three hours. But no, we've seen some good films recently. Yeah, Casino Royale, Jaws, Alien, The Matrix. You know, there's a variety of different things on there. So yeah, if anyone needs an excuse to finally getting around to watch things like, you know, Lawrence of Arabia and those kind of old school films, it's uh, something to dig out, I'd say. Any real pleasant surprises films that you love that you hadn't seen before I hadn't seen Groundhog Day before it was one of those films that I like kept meaning to watch and just never quite got around to it and yeah saw that the other I think I saw it yeah a week ago and yeah I really enjoyed it it's a very good film it's it's pretty apt these days isn't it and yeah it did feel like a good one like an easy choice to make given Mm -hmm. what's going on at the moment although my boyfriend he had never seen The Lord of the Rings before and quite cheekily they put all three films as one square so we did sort of two weekends of watching these three-hour epics about elves and hobbits, which I don't think he particularly enjoyed. But we had to do it to get the square, so... I've never seen a Lord of the Rings. I don't think you'd like it, Charlotte, even though no. I know you like Game of Thrones. It has aged well, but it is quite, I don't know, you have to Out like that, that fantasy, fantasy genre, genre, I think. Mm. Some of them are three and a half hours long as well, so it's oh, yeah. quite long. <laughs> I do like Orlando Bloom, though. That's true. He's good in it. As in Viggo Mortensen, he's very good yes. in that film. Harriet and Laura, are there any classic films that you are really embarrassed to have not seen? We were talking about this on the show the other day and me, Lou and Rhea, our guest, were all mortified because the star of Gone with the Wind had died, but none of us had seen it. I'm really Um, bad. I mean, I don't, I haven't watched pretty much anything that's recent, let alone classics. I'm hopeless (laughs) at watching films. So yeah, I'm sure there are hundreds. I'm sure there are some, but I have to say my family are quite into films, so... 
maybe not so much now that we don't all live together under one roof, but certainly when I was little, like, and obviously, I guess the internet wasn't what it is today. The Saturday night sort of activity was to watch films more and, you know, go to good old, I know, we're always talking about this, aren't we? Going to Blockbuster or like Apollo or whatever your video store was and like picking out that that week's selection. I seem to remember that being like a big thing on a Friday night. So I think I have actually seen quite a few things. I don't know, someone would have to put me on the spot and I'd have to either say yes or no, but I have seen Gone with the Wind, so there you go. Have you seen The Godfather? I've never seen The Godfather one or two. No, I haven't. That's a good one, actually. There you go. That's on the poster. Um, I bet it is, Heather. (laughs) Yeah, it must be. I mean, I think it was one that probably was a bit too old for me when I was little and we were Mm. doing all of these movie nights, maybe. But funnily enough, if we move straight into other TV recommendations, it's quite an old one now, but I think you can still watch it on iPlayer, which is a thing called Life Cinematic, which I may have mentioned before, but it's basically like Desert Island Discs, but with film directors. And what they do is they sit down with Edith Bowman and she takes them through eight clips that they've selected from different films, most of them classic films, and they explain why each clip has like meant something to them or inspired their own work or what it you know what it means to them basically and I think it was a new show from the BBC and they only managed to film three of them before lockdown so Mm -hmm. there's only three to watch so it's all quite manageable the first one is Sam Mendes and the second one is Edgar Wright and the third one is Sam Taylor Johnson and they're all really really interesting and if you're not a classic film buff it kind of like gives you that fast track sort of insight into them that perhaps you know you might be lacking if you haven't watched them yourself I love that I need that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, me too. I always talk about this in the podcast that I'm really into like film analysis, but not films themselves. So also, and if you're kind of in a similar camp, then um, Mark Mode's series, which is also, I think he made it for BBC Four, is all on iPlayer. And he basically, it's a six-parter and he goes through each key genre of cinema. So like horror, rom-com, etc. Yeah. yeah, all of those. And breaks down like the best moments, kind of how you define those genres, etc. So again, if you're interested in kind of the background to a lot of those films um, and films from the 20th century, then that's a really good kind of education as well. Laura, you had some podcasts to recommend. Yeah, I haven't really been watching much TV, although I did watch Bob and Doug Land yesterday from the International Space Station. Has anybody else been as into this as me or is it just oh, no. That I, no, no, it was amazing. I was obsessed. Absolutely obsessed by them and the way it landed was just nuts yeah. down to 15 nuts. miles per hour from space. Just blew my mind. For those who um, don't know, this is the American astronauts exactly. who landed from their Mars. So they've mission. gone up on, yeah, exactly, um, up to the International Space Station from American soil. So it's all been quite, this been, I think it was something like 43 years or something since they've last done something like that. It was huge. And we watched them taking off or we watched a failed attempt and then them taking off with great excitement in my house. And then yesterday watching, or two days ago now, watching them land was just bonkers. They landed on water, didn't they? Yeah, so they landed in the Gulf of Mexico um, with these four parachutes that brought it down into the water. And then it was just all so smooth, you know, they just hopped this little capsule onto the back of the boat and out they plopped in their chairs. It just blew my mind. (laughs) Home in time for dinner. (laughs) Yeah, literally, five hours later, they were giving a video conference. Anyway, fascinating. I do think, Laura, if you've got kids, and it's like the most amazing thing. I remember when Tim Peaks was off to, I don't know, wherever he went, International Space Station. It was like a massive thing with kids and was, you know, trying to engage school children because it's just an amazing real-life example, isn't it? Absolutely. And my literally my well she's four and she is completely obsessed with space so yeah she absolutely loved it it was fascinating 
And then I have been listening to quite a few podcasts recently. So I listened to the Peter Crouch podcast with Prince William. I don't know if anybody's listened to that, no. but I loved it. They all sounded equally as excited as each other to be in each other's company. And they're sitting at Kensington Palace, you know, having a curry and chatty. And it was just really nice. I have zero interest in football, but it's nice, easy, cheery listening. And it's to promote his charity, Heads Up, for the FA Cup. I think they're going to rename it the Heads Up FA Cup Final. I really recommend that. It was about 40 minutes and loved it. Was that recorded pre-lockdown or, yeah, or so like it, distance now? It was recorded pre-lockdown and then they've added on to it because it's obviously just come out. So they do a bit by Zoom. And, you know, it's quite predictable. It's the same conversations we're all having a bit about Zoom. But I'm fascinated by the royal family. I love a little glimmer and into his life and you know the fact that he struggled with year two maths kind of made me feel a bit better about myself (laughs) yeah it was good and you know it's nice easy listening and then I've listened to Michelle Obama's new podcast oh I'm so jealous I was I just saw it on Spotify like 20 minutes ago and I was like oh damn it I should have listened to that before the highlights podcast how is it yeah it's good in all honesty I think once you've watched her documentary maybe I watched that too recently and then listened to it I didn't really find it that insightful for her first one but it will be interesting to see kind of how it develops and again it's just nice it's her and Barack and then she I think she's going to have her siblings in it she's going to have her mom in it it's going to be like a nice insight into their lives and does she interview him like what's the format it's a chat but yes she's leading it she is being real isn't she she's talking about her upbringing and their lives before they met and it's good listening I'm looking forward to seeing how it will develop we talked about it on the show last week and I think Georgie was very like pro but then she didn't enjoy the documentary and I didn't love the podcast but really enjoyed the documentary I would say I'm on your camp Harriet yeah I think people fall into one of two camps with it which is if you're perhaps maybe a more visual person the documentary speaks more to you Whereas the podcast at times, it's for a start, it's quite long, Laura, isn't it? Yeah, it was long. And that was one thing I learned is I like listening to podcasts on one and a half speed. So I can just get more done. And you can't do that on Spotify. So it felt really long for me. Interesting. Like, come on, come on. But no, it's good. I'd still recommend it. I actually haven't seen the documentary. So maybe I'll give the podcast a go. Given that I didn't love her book, I think I've should go the podcast route I think that's it I've you know I've read the book I've watched a documentary and now I've done the podcast and I, and I mm. felt like it was all <laughs> relatively samey yeah. you've hit peak Michelle Obama I think yeah point. Time I for think break. I have I've started watching the Murdoch documentary, which is on BBC. This is the rise of the Murdoch dynasty, which is a BBC four-part documentary. And it is, Heather, we talked like a couple of weeks ago about how Mrs. America and the Hillary Clinton documentary kind of felt like they came so hand in hand. Well, obviously this comparison is even more explicit between, because, I mean, they're basically playing the Murdochs in succession. And I haven't finished it yet, but it's just so fascinating. Like there's a lot of the same kind of power dynamics at play but then obviously you know it's real life so so you're kind of it's the same level of like drama and madness except it's reality it delves obviously quite heavily into the Leveson inquiry and there are some amazing talking heads like Tony Blair Hugh Grant like you know people who have been genuinely kind of massive players in the kind of Murdoch empire over the years Piers Morgan so you know they've got all the right people commenting on Rupert Murdoch and his rise to power and how he some might say abuse that power and so I really recommend it it's fascinating and the two work obviously so well in tandem together 
we obviously had to write a feature on the new visual album from Beyonce. This is Black is King. It was the soundtrack to the Lion King movie last year. And she has subsequently released this visual album. I'm just going to put it out there. I was so ready to be so sceptical about this. And I thought it was bloody brilliant. What did you all think about it? Totally. I mean, I wrote the review. So full disclosure. And I had to get up very early to watch it. And from the minute it came on, I was just absolutely blown away. For a start, how much money does Disney have to put into these productions? Everything in this visual album slash music video is almost single shot. Like there are so many single shots of just setups with like backing dancers or models or whatever it might be. And then they never use that same setup again. It's just literally (laughs) like a two second shot and then they move on. And I just think, my God, like that must alone must have cost them thousands of dollars. But also, but it's not just that, it's the visuals. You you watch it thinking this looks expensive. Like it looks, doesn't it? It really does. Totally. Laura, have you watched it? I haven't, but when Harriet, told me that she was going to write the review I looked it up for, and to see what it was and I would really like to watch it I mean the trailer looks amazing and I've only actually just recently watched the new Lion King so yeah I'm intrigued to watch. Heather and Laura you might have to just indulge Harriet and I then while we talk a little bit more about it. Let's explain it a little bit more there's basically 13-ish tracks you know different songs each one has a video associated with it which has its very own kind of unique look and feel but there's also a kind of narrative that ties them all together which is kind of a nod to the Lion King I mean there's a kind of Moses thing going on in there with the whole baskets in the reeds and it's basically about a young black boy who kind of goes on this life path this journey to kind of find his king in inverted commas which I guess is the Lion King thing so particularly at the beginning Harriet when it is there's a lot of like religious Religious kind of symbolism motifs. motifs exactly it moves on from that and there's a lot of like incredible kind of sassy amazing songs amazing dancing like everything you would hope for from a Beyonce album and B I'd say she's in it like 50% of the time do you agree and the rest is highlighting these incredible black artists creatives you know singers dancers of all ages shapes sizes like I mean it's such a diverse group of incredible black creators and that was really refreshing I thought. Definitely. I think I make a point in the review quite early on that there are some very familiar, shall we say, like Beyonce tropes at play. So like, for instance, the big sort of wide brim hats are back and that's very like formation because we should make the point as well, actually, well, before we forget that Lemonade was her first Mm. visual album. It's not the first time she's done this. No. And her penchant, if we say, for like visual medium has certainly grown since then. If anyone watched Homecoming on Netflix last year, that was another kind of like very visual way of looking at a Beyonce performance. But this, I think, takes it a step further with what you've just said. Whereas Lemonade, to me, felt like very separate videos, kind of just like one after the other. This is threaded through much more into like an overarching story. What we haven't seen her do before, but what I think was certainly hinted at in the Homecoming film, was that she's obviously, like much of the world, become much more attuned to not only Black Lives Matter, but sort of how you promote black identity and black power throughout your work and throughout your your music, particularly if you yourself are a black creator. Yeah, she seems very passionate about this. I think it's only like the fourth track in that she throws to three Nigerian, apparently they're very, very big in Nigeria. 
It's called Don't Jealous Me, the track. And the singers are Yemi Alady, Mr. Easy and, and Techno. And I think that's one of the best tracks on, on I the mean, tune. What a tune. It's so fun, isn't it? The other incredible one in that camp, although completely different, is Brown Skin Girl, which is like an anthem for like how beautiful black women are and you know how they should never change and when they should never be kind of aspiring to be anything different and it's got the most incredible array of famous black women uh, featuring from Kelly Rowland to Naomi Campbell and it genuinely is without wishing to kind of put words in anybody else's mouth it's the kind of piece of art that all black children like should have in front of them like should have access to I know at the end she dedicates it to her son and to all children and like it you know so many people say that you know when they were growing up they didn't see themselves represented in in anything and this is like well here you go I mean here's an hour and a half of the most incredible representation and, and inspiration can we talk about the fashion really quickly i think if we're going to talk fashion we're going to end up talking about my favorite track she wears 69 outfits across the entirety of the thing tell me which is your favorite it's very early on it's find your way back she's in kind of like a head to toe like glitter sequin sort of all in one yeah and she's got this amazing like head dress i think for one of the mm-hmm. best word on And what I thought was so interesting was she had really dressed, I think, in very, like, colourful, vibrant, very evocative of African history and African kind of culture outfits, but then paired them with such, like, modern aesthetics. So, like, Mm -hmm. you've got those, like, Prada-esque sunglasses. I think she wears them pretty much throughout. And, yeah, it just it's amazing. The visual and the fashion plays into it massively. It's such a partnership that, if we're talking about the same outfit, Harriet, that leopard print sequin jumpsuit is mm-hmm. Valentino Couture. It took 10 seamstresses and 300 hours to create. So, you know, there's like serious, like couture level skill in all of these creations. And again, it goes back to what we were saying about it looking pretty dumb expensive, but also this entire, like, it's just the most beautiful everything is just incredible i highly recommend following her stylist on instagram her name is Serena acres and she kind of breaks down every single outfit thanks all the designers so you can get a bit more of a kind of overview of who did what there so yeah she's a good one to follow or to just give her a store if you are looking to find out more about all of the outfits but i think in summary we're saying that everybody should go and watch it because it's damn good yeah not to quote myself because it's so obnoxious but i'm going to <laughs> i think the last line of my review pretty much sums it up which is if black is king proves one thing it's that when it comes to pushing boundaries and creative cultural history, there's only one queen. We're going to change that completely now and talk about getting a puppy. We wrote a feature on everything you should know about buying a puppy. And this is basically all the practical advice that you need on your radar from relevant paperwork that you need to be asking for to understanding vaccines and worming. So... We thought we would talk about it a bit today. Laura, you are the proud owner of Nala. How old is Nala now? Nala is 11, believe it or not. I know, it's madness. She still looks like a puppy there. She does. So it's been a while, obviously, since you last bought a puppy. 11 years before. I know. But what do you remember about the process? What breed is Nala? She's a cross between a Yorkshire and a Maltese Terrier. Oh, cute. Yeah, she's a little brown ball Um, of fluff. And why did you choose that breed? Well, I hadn't been at Sherlock's that long, um, but Georgie had just got mouse and I was just obsessed with mouse, but I didn't want a white dog. And Nala was a close alternative and she looked so sweet when she was puppy and she still does look so sweet. But <laughs> yeah, um, I don't really know how we came across that. I think I just searched and searched and actually reading this article made me realise probably how utterly naive I was. 
when it came to buying a dog. I mean, we found her on a website called ePops. I didn't even know if that's still around today. But <laughs> the, the sound of it just sounds so dodgy, doesn't it? It and does we, sound so dodgy. We drove up to Lincolnshire and found her. I mean, she's been absolutely brilliant, so I can't complain. But <laughs> yeah, I properly went in very naively. And how did you find the experience? Do you remember like the training, the first few months? How was it for you? I don't remember it being that difficult. I remember the training, the wheeze were a bit annoying inside the house. It's pretty short-lived, isn't it? Would you get another one? Absolutely. I'll never have my life without a dog in it. I'm just pushing a level. Really? Yeah, never, ever. What does she add to your life? Actually, we're going away next week. So I don't have her this week because timing-wise, I couldn't get her there in time to my auntie who's looking after her. And I feel so... I just hate it. I always go for a walk in the morning and I go for a walk in the morning now without a purpose. And I absolutely hate that. I feel like I'm so on my tod when I go for my walk. I don't have my little friend by my feet. (laughs) And I just think it, for me, she's been great, like growing up with the children have grown up with dogs around them. You know, I have so many friends that come here with their children that just scream and are terrified of dogs and Mm. I was brought up with dogs my children brought up with dogs and I think it's a really good thing for them to be surrounded by. We so notice when we're out with a dog that there's literally two camps of children and it doesn't seem to be nurture at all it seems to be that children either are like completely fine with dogs or are completely terrified of them and they're just one or the other. Totally. They're small and they're in your face you know they're they're the same height when they're children so I can Mm. totally understand why it's terrifying. But I think for parents as well, it's probably quite annoying when you can't go around to a friend's house because their children are just screaming anytime the dog comes near them. Well, obviously, I'm in the throngs of puppy ownership. We got Scooby nearly four months ago now, which is just so mad because I feel like we left the office like a week ago, but I guess we didn't. Like the first month, I literally thought we'd made the biggest mistake of our entire lives. I cried every day for three weeks and thought that we'd ruined our lives because we couldn't do anything. Like every morning we were up at six o'clock and that was it. Like you were just up on this. It was like Sunday morning and it was six o'clock and I was just sitting on the sofa with the dog and we had to take him out for a wee every single hour. So that was quite, you know, ruled our lives. And we couldn't walk him for the first few weeks because he hadn't been vaccinated. Um, he so ate we were just three like, socks. That was very recently. <laughs> I wish that was in the beginning. That was literally two weeks ago. But yes, he swallowed three socks. We took him to the vet because we thought he'd swallowed one. And he's followed three. So he's on closer sock watch these days. But I don't know what happens. It's sort of just like overnight or over the space of a week, it all just gets so much better. And I remember messaging like everybody I knew who had a puppy or like a dog who was like one or two in the first few weeks being like, oh my God, please tell me it gets better. But it really, something just kind of clicks and you're bringing this little thing into your life and you don't know them and they don't know you. And you genuinely, like, obviously they're not a person, but you have to find your your rhythm together but now it's so fine and so chilled and he wheezes like every five hours instead of every one hour which makes life a lot easier and it's just the funnest like extra addition to our household it's just so lovely i'm so jealous yeah he's a babe he is a babe heather harriet any dog plans on the horizon i'm looking after a jackawawa we look after quite often in about a week's time for two weeks while his owners go on holiday so i'm looking forward to that what's a jackawawa Chihuahua and Jack Russell. So they kind of, yeah, well, across the I need to Google two. this. Um, on, I'll send you a photo like. of Dudley, who is the one That's we tend cool to look after. He's a rescue Jackal. dog. And he's got an overbite and an underbite. And he's got one blue eye and one brown eye. And he's just mm. the weirdest looking dog. But he's really sweet. We started looking after him almost as soon as he was adopted at six months old. And so he knows us really well. But um, 
yeah, looking forward to like having a proper excuse to like you, Laura, go for a walk first thing in the morning before work as well as after work. And yeah, I just love dogs. So I'm just looking forward to having this little fur ball around yeah. 24-7. <laughs> I also think looking from a security side as well not having her here now like usually if there's any dodgy noise she barks at it and I feel really Mm. secure that she's listening out Um, but not having her at the moment I'm like oh anybody could be doing anything I'm so out of tune with you know the, the noises that she usually highlights to me yeah, it's very true, Laura. All right, well, anyway, for more information on what to consider uh, before buying a puppy, then do have a look at the future on the site. Let's wrap up by talking about holidays. I don't know, is this depressing or is it uplifting? We'll soon find out. We wrote a feature on the six holiday destinations to know for September sun. August might be a write-off for some, but hopefully September's where it's at in terms of travel. So we've got recommendations from France to Greece to the Amalfi Coast to Cyprus. So I'd like to know, where are your recommendations for a bit of slightly out-of-season sun? Harriet. Well, it's a tricky one because for out of season sun, I think you pretty much take a risk, don't you? But one of the best destinations I've been to in the last few years is the Ile de Ré in France. And the great thing about it is that it's not sort of a typical resort French town. There's a lot more to do there. So we go usually in June. We had to cancel our trip this year, obviously. And the great thing there is that if the weather is a bit kind of overcast or it's not quite, you know, 32 degrees every day, there are plenty of other things to do. And, and the big thing there is cycling. So the island is not big at all. You can cycle the length of it in a day if you wanted to. Um, and everything is built for cycles first and foremost. So, I mean, it puts bike lanes in London and frankly all over this country to shame. And if it's not 32 degrees every day, you can just spend your days cycling from village to village, drinks, lunch, whatever you want to do. There, are, The shopping there is so nice. It's just all independent boutiques. And it's all like I got so many clothes there last year and it's all quite reasonably priced. If you are going to go, I would say there's only one kind of main village to stay in and that's Saint-Martin. It's kind of like the main hub and that is where most of the restaurants are. But there's a Michelin-starred restaurant there. Like that's how kind of bougie parts of it are if you're looking for something a bit more luxe. Otherwise, there are loads of more affordable options as well. So yeah, I can't wait to go back there as soon as possible. And where do you recommend you stay? Is it a hotel kind of place or like an Airbnb vibe? What do you recommend? It's a good question. So if you were to just go in blind to research it, you'd probably find there's one main hotel in Saint-Martin. Don't stay there. (laughs) They'll tell you it's five star, but it's actually quite like fuddy and quite old Mm. and quite traditional. It's not French like we think of French interiors. It's like very classical French. So like lots of heavy drapery and like dark woods and stuff like that we stay around the corner they call it their sister hotel but it's called the Villa Clarisse and that is exactly what you would think it is light interiors and really relaxed vibe really really chic and my claim to fame was last year when we were having breakfast breakfast is mainly served outside we realised that at the table next to us was Arsene Wenger. Oh, not bad. There we go. Sounds dreamy. Heather, what about you? Where would you recommend for a bit of September sun? I went to Marseille uh, last year and that was really, really lovely as well because it's really close to Provence so you can go there for day trips and obviously get loads of really good wine but it's also got that sort of 
There's lots of little beaches nearby. It's really, really great for architecture if you like sort of brutalist Le Corbusier style. He's got loads of stuff there. So there's really loads of interesting things to look around. It's got loads of really, really good restaurants, a good blend of sort of history and then the cool modern bits as well. Lots of really good interiors, sort of antique shops. And yeah, lots of good places nearby to go walking as well. So if you're looking for a city break, there's definitely loads of different options if you want to do a bit of swimming, a bit of shopping, a bit of nightlife and also, yeah, a bit of hiking as well. So I definitely recommend it. I can also recommend a hotel just about an hour's drive from Marseille called Creon Le Brave, uh, which is in oh. an area also called Creon Le Brave, which is just heaven. We went actually years, maybe four or five years ago now. And it's the most gorgeous little kind of old castle uh, which has been converted into a boutique hotel it's like right in the middle of the Provence countryside and it's just so beautiful they've also got I think it's a two mission star restaurant there actually yeah it's a really gorgeous selection of restaurants there and it's just heaven if you're looking for a kind of indulgent mini break you could do kind of a few days in Marseille and then head on there for for a bit of relaxing pool time Um, I really recommend it there Laura what about you so I'm going to recommend somewhere that I personally haven't been but my sister has recently got back and, and apparently the weather is still equally good in September. She's just been sailing around Croatia and it just looked absolute heaven. So they were just sailed around these islands. So they, they had their own boat. So I think you had to have a qualification. I think you had to have like a radio qualification or something that her husband mm-hmm. did in a day. And yeah, they took this boat around and it just, they bays that they were dropping anchor in and the sights that they saw, it just looks so idyllic. And, you know, they go ashore to little shacks that you wouldn't find, you know, if you were just on the main route. And one evening they sent some videos and they had this really kind of rustic looking cocktail boat coming up to their boat and it was delivering cocktails around to all the different bays and they they had their children with them who had their mocktail and then you know her and her husband sat there drinking a cocktail at sunset oh, it's like nice. absolute dream um, you're making so my bones my ache for a holiday <laughs> i know it, it just looks oh. amazing laura i won't put you on the spot and ask you now but in the notes for the podcast we'll put the company do they rent a boat yeah perfect we will put details of the boat rental then um in the podcast notes all right god i think we'll leave it there i think i need to go away and just book a holiday or something um thank you all so much for joining um and thank you for listening if you have any feedback at all please do email podcast at sherlux.com we love hearing from you don't forget also to rate review subscribe and tell your friends bye-bye